Welcome to Mindset U Podcast, your source of mindset education. We aim to provide you with free, valuable education for you to thrive. Enjoy. Today's podcast is two of four. On the first one, we talked about post-traumatic growth. Today, we're going to dive into the concepts of values, how our personal values direct us in our lives. Values don't really change, or do they? Right? Because that, that becomes the question. If, if let's say you go through a, through a traumatic event, and you have a value of the t- at the time of, for example, I was put on this earth for a reason, so I survived this traumatic event. So I'm going to find the narrative in which says this is why I survived this event because I'm put here for a reason, right? And so that becomes a problem in your growth. You won't challenge that main value to move on. Is that possible? Does that happen? Is that what happens when you revisit those beliefs? I think I think even for that, like the interpretation of values and the narrative that you attach to values mm-hmm. are are huge. Like it all. Boy, I was having this conversation with Amon on, on our way back from a drive in jiu-jitsu and you know he he goes on a very primitive like reptilian brain this is what human beings are designed to do mm-hmm. and i was like yes absolutely we are designed to do these things the great thing about human beings is that we have the prefrontal cortex and this is where we create subjective meaning this is where we create a narrative and we can attach a narrative to practically anything like literally anything like we can like there was a video that i saw about a guy who increased the value of a plastic banana that he bought at a thrift shop for 25 cents and sold it on ebay $75. Why? Because we attached a narrative to the banana and now the banana went in value from 75, from 25 cents to $75 just because we attached a narrative. And the same things with human beings is like we can take a moral value or a core value and say be impeccable with your word and then create all the different narratives of how this value is the most important value for me because it has served me in all these different ways. So like I agree with your point. It's like, is value kind of fall in line with like a belief? In this book, and, and, and we've talked about this in the past, uh, The Writer and the Elephant. Yeah. So the idea behind this, I'll give you a quick summary, is how our brains work. We think that we're rational. We think that we're making rational decisions, outweighing the, the pros and cons, and that's how we're choosing. But re- reality is that we choose things based off emotions, and that's what's guiding us. So if you can think of the emotions to create into a physical realm, as an elephant, as a giant elephant, and your logical brain as the writer, the person riding that elephant. So you have the thinking brain and then you have the emotional brain. That elephant is going to take some guidelines from the writer. It's going to pull this way, go this way. But if that elephant decides he wants to go that way, the writer can pull all he wants. The elephant is way too strong. So eventually the writer runs out of energy. And the elephant goes where it wants. So those suggestions mean nothing. But here's the amazing part about this. And this was uncovered, I believe it was in the 70s. They did some surgeries to help people that were having seizures, nonstop seizures. They created a surgery to separate their two halves of their brains. What they're doing is they're cutting a bunch of neural pathways, neurons that are running from, from one side to the brain to the other. And then this allowed some interesting things to happen and to be uncovered in which, for example, like the right side of your brain controls the left side of your body and vice versa, but also where different processes happen, which is not like the, the creative and logical that's oversimplified. What really was uncovered is that there is a sense of that elephant that interprets thing from almost an instinctive level. That's 
different from the side of your brain that thinks in language, that communicates in language. So when they would do the experiments where they would put two images, one on right on the right side, one on the left side, their bodies will react almost independently. They'll show snow on one side and they'll show uh, like an umbrella on the other side, right? And you're supposed to say on the images that you saw, what goes with it? So they'll show you another group of images, like what goes with the two images you saw? And people would do things like, you know, for the umbrella, what goes with it? Sun, right? Or rain. And then they'll have to pick for the other side. But most people couldn't remember what they saw on the other side. So on the snow side, for example, they, you ask them what they saw, they would tell you, I, 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 don't, I don't remember, I don't know what it was. But they'll pick a matching image. So they'll pick a shovel for the snow. But this is the interesting part. They won't have any recollection of what they saw, of how it connects to that. So they'll say, I just picked a shovel because when it rains, like leaves pile up and I have to shovel them. So their logical brain, their writer, will create a narrative for whatever happened on the emotional side. Even though there was a reason, because of the snow, they picked the shovel, their writer will excuse the behavior and create a narrative for it. Meaning that you can go through an experience, you can make a choice, right, based off of your elephant, based off of your emotions, and then your logical brain is not gonna be like, no, 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 that was, your logical brain is gonna be like, no, that happened because of this and this, is gonna create a narrative to match that experience. Excuses. <laughs> Essentially, right? Like that's where excuses come from. Essentially, but the thing is that the person 100% believes it. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> like that's why we create excuses. Like who the hell is gonna be like, nah, like I, what I felt, was the right thing to feel, and I just, that's what I wanted to do. Like, if you, especially if you did something that you weren't logically supposed to do, like mm -hmm. nutrition, like, everybody goes into this, like, yeah, but you know, I was feeling tired, so, you know, I decided to have some sugar. Like, my, I just felt hungry, right? And like, like, yes, there's some knowledge basis there that they may not have an understanding, but the fact is that that knowledge gap is what's driving the emotion, right? Because knowledge influences emotion as well. And right? if you have an understanding of what's happening to you physiologically, right, like you're, you're interpreting this external world with the data that you're collecting via your five senses. Mm -hmm. So that's the only way that we're going to really understand how to make a decision is based on how we feel. Mm -hmm. and then we create the story to match it. Which is like what we talk about. <laughs> so it comes full circle, right? Because we talk about perspectives, multiple perspectives that you can have in one story, mm -hmm. multiple narratives where it goes to the base of not believing your own story because there's other possibilities, not believing that there's one truth. So if you open up yourself to like, oh, this is, this is a good narrative that, that makes sense and not stop there. Okay, this is another good narrative that makes sense and have the possibilities, right? And recognize that you're going to operate from one. You're going to choose the meaning that one of them presented to you, but still be hyper aware that there's other points. Now, when you go back and revisit that trauma or that story that you need to adjust for now a future experience or future learning, now it's much easier because you're like, oh, I was, I was playing, was playing this card. Let me switch it out back to the experience. But that allows you to do that when you don't commit to it as like, this is the only possibility. Mm -hmm. I think that falls in line with like, when you commit to one story, you already establish expectations. So when you go and try to revisit something that connects with that narrative, the one that you cold heartedly chose, mm -hmm. the expectations are already established, even though you would say, I didn't establish any expectations. You may have not, may have not identified them. But your story establishes the expectations now. But what I think, what I've learned in my personal experience is like, when you create multiple narratives, you destroy expectations. Because now 
you look for the possibilities of what else can exist within. Can you go back to, to what you mean by the expectations and the stories? So like, for example, you have a trauma, right? Of a, let's say, whatever, ex, ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend, some toxic ass relationship, right? So now you solidify yourself to this one story, right? This one thing. Well, that person was an asshole and blah, 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 and all guys are asshole, right? So now the story creates a belief, which creates a bunch of expectations based on the opposite sex or the sex that you have a relationship with versus going back to the story and looking at all the different possibilities. Yeah, maybe that person was an asshole. Maybe that person was an asshole because of this, or maybe this happened because of this. Now it starts to break down these beliefs, which then automatically create these expectations, right? Because the beliefs are what create the expectations. Mm -hmm. But if you create different narratives, different narratives allow you to start taking, like we talk about again, like in our workshops, the belief is the table and every story is a leg. If you start creating different narratives for the belief, it can't no longer support this belief. Like you make the, the, the little legs wimpier and, and smaller and not as strong because there's so many little ones, then you can start to take the belief away. Then what sits on top of the table are the expectations, all the different kind of boxes and little things that you have there. Mm-hmm. And then you can start pulling that away. What happens when someone goes through an experience and let's say attaches meaning to that experience from a narrative that reaches a point is not serving them, but they've created those kind of possibilities of different stories. So what you're saying is a person goes through an experience, they settled on a narrative, mm-hmm. but they have all their, these other possibilities that can exist. I would have to question emotionally how invested are they in those other narratives, mm-hmm. right? Because there is something that we do as human beings too, right? Like Unless you're, you're proven wrong multiple times, that's the only way you can really believe in other possibilities, right? So like, uh, this is something that happened between you and I. I used to think I was right all the time. And I would literally take track <laughs> of all the times I was right. And because I would take track of all the times I was right, I would believe that I'm right. So even though I knew... You used to have a spreadsheet to keep track of all the times you <laughs> yes. won an argument. Yes, spreadsheet of how many times I won an argument just to be right. But then I knew there was this one kind of uh, argument between you and I that changed everything. It was the one where you, you were vulnerable enough to be in that, in that moment and really describe how you perceived me as a human being in the time that I was acting the way that I was acting. And that made me delete the spreadsheet because that now proved my other possibilities and other narratives of how you were feeling. So the thing is, if someone is, went through something and they settled on a narrative, but they say this narrative can exist. Yeah, I can see how that works. The reality is, is that we don't really ever understand from like me viewing you, let's say that individual. I don't understand if you really truly believe those narratives. The only one that can really understand is like there's an emotion, mm-hmm. right? Because there's almost like, at least when I think about it, there's almost like a release emotionally that happens when I say, oh, this is another possibility, right? Like the anxiety or the stress or the anger starts to dissipate a little bit. Because I'm actually believing the narrative. I don't let go of the one that I settled on, right, or planted my flag on. But I start to understand that the other is a real possibility. And that maybe I'm wrong. But until you know how it feels like to be wrong, like truly be wrong, where it fucking hurts. And you're like, wow, you're a piece of shit, bro. That's when I really think you can truly conceptualize other narratives and possibly hold some type of meaning to those emotionally. Mm-hmm. Because like physiologically, you feel it. So you're saying that you need that experience to feel like shit? Yeah, I, I feel like you need the discomfort. Like, you need to feel like you need to be proven wrong. Join us for part three as we...
we explore sacred values and how group dynamics can change our perceptions of ourselves and the world. What does your health, love life, spirituality, career, finances all have in common? Your mindset. Mindset is the source of creating change. To learn how to install these and other life-transforming concepts, browse through our free collection of courses at vtheproject.com.